There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plushcare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respect to elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a dissection of social and cultural issues relevant to gay men. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter, or join our community on Facebook by searching The Gays Are Revolting. And support the show and access our after shows and live streams at patreon.com forward slash gaysrevoltingpod. Hello, how are we? Hello. (laughs) Still recording remotely, still can't see your beautiful faces, but so nice to hear your beautiful beautiful voices. Yeah, I think next week we're recording in person, aren't we? How exciting. Hopefully. (laughs) Um, what have you guys been up to? I mean, now that things are kind of easing up little by little. I um, uh, took my boyfriend down to my parents' place. Uh, oh, wait, yeah. have they met him Last before? Weekend. They'd met him just before all of this started. And we FaceTimed them a few times during lockdown. We had, like, dinners mm-hmm. via FaceTime. Yeah, <laughs> that's cute. Yeah, we went down and we got so drunk that my partner, <laughs> Do you partner drink alcohol? Fell <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> fell asleep in an office chair and mum and oh I had God. to wheel him down to the spare because we couldn't wake him up. No. We had to wheel him oh down God. to the spare room. <laughs> and your parents like, wow, Tom's finally met his match. No, no, no. <laughs> No, no, he was he was in good company. They were just as bad. Like, <laughs> Mum and I were falling over trying to get him down That's to the so room funny. Just oh, a classy no. Jasper's family dinner, you, you know. know. Love it. <laughs> mm, I've seen a lot so of your cute. family photos, Tom. Have you? What? Yeah. He's like, I'm looking at them right now. <laughs> I'm looking at them. <laughs> in a frame. Your house is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, my mum and dad's house. <laughs> But yeah, if you could tell your parents to do something about the internet connection, it's just... <laughs> oh, I can't oh, creeping me out. So I'm not sure if you guys have heard, but there might be an injectable prep on the way, which is pretty exciting news if you're a gay man and unafraid of needles, which I am not. <laughs> I'm not a gay man. <laughs> no, most people are scared of needles. I know. Yeah, I terrifying. Uh, but yeah, so there's been like this big development in a study at HIV Prevention Trials Network, or commonly known as HPTN. Uh, they've announced recently that Global trials have shown that a long-acting injectable of a drug that sounds like it's simlish, I'll say it, it's uh, Cabotegravir, or Cabla for short. Uh, <laughs> simlish, I just thought what you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cabotegravir. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so you get this injection every two months. 
and it lowers HIV transmission amongst uh, cisgender men and transgender women who have sex mm-hmm. with men. So oh, the study boy. revealed that Kabla was found to be 69% more effective at preventing HIV when compared to the normal daily pills. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? I didn't think we'd be seeing anything in our lifetimes that was more effective than, than PrEP. That's right. I thought it was going to be like a, the, you know, the implanon? Yeah, like a rod thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's freaks in, me out. It's just... like that foreign object being inside you. I really I mean, want I love for you guys that. for a fine book. <laughs> Is it that's the same as the, Luke, you're talking about the thing that, that, that um, sometimes diabetics can use with insulin. Is that correct? Um, birth control. Birth control. Oh, it's sorry. Like yeah, an yeah, injectable yeah. So it's, birth control, but yeah. maybe there's one for diet. I'm not, I'm not huge Probably. in the diabetes <laughs> community. It's, I mean, the studies they've done have been pretty extensive, and they've also, I think, a, a really interesting thing is that they've been done in lots of different countries, and they're doing studies in Africa mm. as well, yeah. um, which is obviously, you know, somewhere that uh, HIV and AIDS is greatly affected, so it's exciting mm. to see that they're looking at launching and making sure that it works for people in Africa. I mean, reducing dosing from 365 days to, like, literally six times a year, that's pretty Well, this is the thing, isn't it? So like, often, yeah. yeah, often one of the, the... And, of course, maybe we should break a step back a little bit for if anyone that's been living under a rock for the last several years. PrEP, yeah. of course, being pretty exposure prophylaxis is a medication that you mm-hmm. can take to prevent contracting HIV if you're exposed to it. So it's like 99.99%. Um, what's the word? Um, effective. Effective. Thank you. Uh, effective <laughs> in preventing the spread of HIV. So but it's taken once a day in, in pill form. So, of course, yeah. there is also there's issues with that where you might forget. Uh, forget you might run out. You, uh, you know, you might, you oh might God, think God. you're going to be able to pick some up on a certain day, mm. but then you get to the chemist and it's closed or they've run out or whatever. And then well, some people don't it. just don't like swallowing pills. Yeah, so, yeah, so that as well. That as well. It's nice to have options. This, you know, one injection every two months would be a, a game changer yeah. um, for people that are in those positions. Uh, so yeah, it's it's hugely exciting. I think, mm. Mm. and it also highlights why things like the religious discrimination bill. Uh, it's super important not to have those things in place, especially if you need to go to a GP to get that injection. Um, mm. We want to make sure that there's no discrimination happening, or mm. that that anyone they're would refusing ever f- to stock it or something. Yeah. Refusing to to provide that service mm. to anyone that required it or wanted it would, would be pretty. Mm. It'll also. I'm also going to assume that one injection is probably easier. And look, I don't know anything about it. I might be wrong. But one injection is probably easier to manufacture than for 60 pills. Oh, yeah. It would take in two months. So for those people in countries um, that are on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale, this might mean that it's the medication is becomes a lot more um, available to people yes. that need it. Yeah. 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 I don't know, there's some other news. It's not as exciting. In fact, quite disappointing news. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but the Australian Christian lobby are oh. back. Christian by name, but absolutely not by nature. Um, we haven't. I've, I was thinking we haven't really heard a huge amount from them since uh, the marriage equality postal survey. Really. Yeah, they've been in the shadows. Yeah, Whoa, they've been they've licking their wounds like Voldemort before he comes back. <laughs> oh, and, <Jesus>. <laughs> Anyway, sorry, my references are, are real because I'm just getting through Harry Potter. I'm only up to the point. Uh, <laughs> they, they've announced that they're going to be hosting an online panel to discuss gay conversion therapy uh, and, the, and the forthcoming ban that's coming up in Victoria. They yeah. have a really good knack of doing these these talks and these things which make you think, oh, yeah, great, a, a conversation about something yeah, really important. Yeah, it's going to be open but, and, like, a yeah, review. No, no, when the Australian Christian Lobby are hosting these talks, the conversation goes the way that they want it to go. Uh, yeah. And they often stack the panel was, in a way. I didn't know sorry. it was hosting. 
roasted by them. I thought, yeah, I thought just the individual up. was uh, no, uh, no. But that's that's a no bueno then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they often stack it in a certain in a certain way. And interestingly, with this one, they one of the people that they're putting on the panel is Dr. Caroline Norma, who you might have heard about before because uh, she has popped up um, due to her controversial beliefs. She's an RMIT University lecturer mm-hmm. and identifies as a lesbian uh, and is also a left wing radical activist, which are usually some of my favorite words. Like usually I'd be very excited yeah. to say that a lesbian left-wing radical ac- activist is. Love but uh, she's also been boycotted before from various conferences and events due to her transphobic and also anti-sex worker views as well, um, which mm. is pretty nasty. And she was even campaigning for other lesbians during the, the Marriage Equality Postal Survey uh, to vote no because yes. she believes that marriage is a conservative and, and I guess, oppressive institution, um, which, you know, is a fair enough belief, but mm-hmm. uh, to actively then go and vote... like I feel like it's so much internalised homophobia and I think she even described lesbianism as a genital fetish at one well, point. Well, I think she, so, yeah, I think she was talking about like modern lesbian culture and gay male culture as having yeah. a genital fetish, which is a weird, like, so weird. Yeah, I love talk. Of Strange course way to put it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, so obviously she's she's uh, quite a polarizing figure for LGBTI people. Um, she hasn't actually expressed any opinions that I could find at least on con- gay conversion no. therapy. So I guess we have to fairly say that it is possible that she will go on there with our best interests at heart, but I think it's yeah. fairly, you know, people fair are very to assume that that's not the this, case. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's. I was reading on Star Observer that our, they got in touch with RMIT, who, you know, are looking into it, but there's only so much they can do. You want to be careful not to be stifling free speech and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, but they did also point out, which is fair enough, that they did win an award for, I think, best employers as far as diversity and inclusion goes. RMIT um, did. Not- RMIT, yeah, RMIT, yeah. yeah. So they are very proactive generally in not the Christian that. lobby. Not the Christian <laughs> no. lobby, no. My friend has undergone conversion, like years and years of conversion yeah. therapy. And the long-lasting ramifications of that are just mind-boggling. Yeah. And and it's something I don't think uh, you could ever truly understand unless you've been put through that process. No. But for this for this friend of mine, uh, they're, they're essentially starting their life at... 35 Mm, Um, that's rough and and it's so fucked to me conversion therapy because it actually kind of attaches itself to your belief system so strongly Mm. that by the time you realize this is all bullshit and i need to get out of here and this isn't going to work you have to dismantle your whole belief system Mm. in order to reject that part of it which is it's okay for me to be homosexual so uh, i think we should be keeping an eye on uh, these sort of conversations and when they pop hmm. up because yes, uh, definitely. the fact that this practice is still legal, legal in a lot of parts of the world, uh, the effects that it has on young gay men is mm. immeasurable uh, in mm. in a bad way, unfortunately. And yeah, just for, for anyone that's questioning how, you know, you might sound like we're trying to oppress the Australian Christian lobby's opinions or whatever. Um, they are quite clear in the fact that they believe that the ban is a bad thing um, yeah. and that they are, they are rallying their members to write to politicians and things to try and, and have this ban overturned and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's been extensive studies that have shown that, that conversion therapy is awful. Uh, and, and thankfully, that seems to be the, the information and the the, uh, the medical advice that, that the government are now taking. But yes, they are still campaigning for for the ban not to come into play. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, I think the other dangerous thing with it, you know, again, when we're talking about free speech and stifling conversation, that sort of thing, the problem with her being on this panel is that it's really bringing 
attention to the Australian mm. Christian lobby. Yeah, um, and, and it's putting them in the spotlight again, and it's giving them power again. They are actually an incredibly small group of people. They really do not re- represent the wider community, Christian community at all. They're a small group of people with large, silent, you know, anonymous donors. And they're evil. (laughs) And they're evil. They're horrible I was just focused on large, silent donors. For some reason, that sounded kind of sexy to me. (laughs) You're projecting. You're like, large boners? I think I've been alone for too long, lady. (laughs) All right. Speaking of other famous transphobes, um, (laughs) this weekend, the same day this episode releases is the Gay Super Bowl. It is the season 12 finale of Mm -hmm. Drag Race, RuPaul's Drag Race. I'm so utterly fascinated by this season. And yeah, because it's had many, so many issues. Oh, yeah. God. How many hurdles it's encountered by she who should not be mm-hmm. named. She sort who of, eats pie. <laughs> <laughs> been uh, sort of paper mached out of so many different episodes yeah. to a uh, worldwide pandemic then meaning that we're getting our first ever Zoom lip sync finale I just um, how I'm so curious as to what the fuck is going to be. Like, I, if you're I wanting to see a Zoom train wreck two days in a row, we're actually doing <laughs> a live thing on Sunday. That's a nice plug, bitch. Isn't that great? That was, you know, though, I'm kind of... Look, first of all, I will say yeah. that maybe um, you should listen to me more often because I boycotted the show uh, before this season started and look how it turned out. Mm. But secondly, I, I mean, I'm kind of excited to see them do their, their lip syncs in the house. Like, it's actually going to... It adds a creative element to it. I mean, I, I won't be seeing it because I don't watch it, but I, but I think it <laughs> does give it a a creative element where they can now incorporate their house and do some funny, quirky stuff with the, I don't know, the, the jumping out of the oven or the, the laundry cupboard or something <laughs> but like it, that. Isn't it like there's um, unfair advantages because, like, people have different layouts and houses and yeah, stuff Yeah, so, like well, that. so that's the idea of creativity is you just look, yeah. you use what you've got Make around you. And, I mean, it's such a drag thing is to have to use it. We've been watching, you know, Lexi Gaga perform in her living room on Friday nights. You know, Lisa Mann's been doing drinking in wigs and that sort of stuff. I don't know if you watched Granny Bingo on Monday night, but Aisha Buffet performed a number in my kitchen. Um, <laughs> Um, the drag world has adapted quite beautifully to online streams. So I'm kind of excited to see what they come up with. Not excited to see what RuPaul looks like or is wearing. Oh, that's the real tease. I just want an explanation. (laughs) Like, why did he have a weird blue gimp mask? Well, the shadiest tea is that his Botox and, and like, work (laughs) as, like, sort of drooping because of being in isolation for so long. (laughs) And so they sort of chucked a a gimp mask over and called it a day. That is the natural way to fix anything, really. It's so funny to me what a train wreck or like how many obstacles I've had to overcome. And I, I agree with Tom wholeheartedly in that obstructions and restrictions sometimes are the Absolutely. I mean, at least it's different now. Brilliant. <laughs> mm, yeah, um, at least it's like mixing it up. You know, when you're doing a project or something and you can do anything in the world, you're like, what the fuck do I start? But then if you take, mm. if you impose if you add a restriction things, or something, it makes you Yeah, more you're like, you can only and, use yeah. red or whatever. Your mind just goes in all yeah, these absolutely. Weird- it's also my birthday on Saturday when this comes out. Oh, oh, God. Oh, All the planets are aligning. 
Yeah, so I was going to invite five friends around, but I don't have five. Yeah, I was going to say the, the restrictions don't really affect your birthday, do they? Because <laughs> no, no one so would have come anyway. Three people, like I usually do. <laughs> the only difference is that the people you live with are locked in the house with you, and <laughs> <laughs> they can't leave. My birthday is also the reason why you all need to be kind to me on Sunday, when patrons <laughs> oh, yeah. of our Patreon. Uh, can join us on our third yeah, live third. stream. Yeah, Sign up for our Patreon um, if you haven't already because the live streams are really fun and people chat to us and the, they have their own little they, – sometimes they have better conversations in the little chat box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we Mike, set people up last under, time. Please. You'll remember last time we were like, yeah. you should date that guy. Oh and my they god, were like, yeah. hello. So maybe they've maybe they're like in love <gasps> maybe, or something yeah, now. Maybe we'll get an update this Sunday. <laughs> Tune in and find out. But now, Mikey and I are going to interview uh, Ross Anderson, who's yes. a senior investigator in the image-based abuse team at the eSafety Commission, and has some interesting things to say about uh, online revenge porn and what to do if you find your nudes have been uh, shared illegally online. I better tune into that one. Now, in a recent episode, we discussed a website hosting nude images of gay men, uh, including some of us, which resulted in a request to remove the thread from the website. Today, we're joined by Ross Anderson, who's a senior investigator at the Image-Based Abuse Team at the eSafety Commission, which is a federal government agency focusing on the removal of harmful content online. Thanks so much for chatting with us, Ross. No problems, Tom. Thanks for having me. As a lawyer, can you firstly clear up the legalities in this space for us? Um, For example, in Australia, is it a criminal offence to share nude or sexual images of a person without their consent? Yes, Mikey, um, it is a criminal offence, both federal and um, state and territory laws. So most state and territories have criminal laws for threatening to share or sharing intimate images without consent. So um, some of them have imprisonment terms of up to three to five years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that's something that's kind of dealt with by police. Yeah. And um, I suppose I want people to understand the difference of what we do. So we have a different role, um, and our role is to give people an option that that isn't to go down the criminal justice path. Um, they can contact us, um, and we can help them with getting things removed online, and also taking action against individuals that are involved. That's amazing. I had no idea that that existed. No. Now, being photographed without knowledge is one thing, but for people that do send uh, consensual sexy selfies, say, to an intimate partner or, you know, on a, on a hookup app or something, that then eventually end up online, uh, is that dealt with any differently? Are there different rules around that than, to, than a photo being taken without consent? Uh, no, that's still image-based abuse. So mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with people sharing, you know, intimate images with their partners and, and, and whoever, but it's when people, you know, share that without that person's consent online and on share it to whether it's a website or mm. onto a, a chat board and things like that. Mm-hmm, so yeah. if, if that happens, it's really important that people get in contact with us um, mm-hmm. so they can get in contact with us through our website, so esafety.gov.au, um, and they can report what's happened and then we can give them advice on what to do from there. So um, we, we like to tell people all their options. So um, one thing we can do is we can... Um, work to get the images removed from the site so we can contact the sites on their behalf mm-hmm. and, um, and, and and get the images removed. Um, we can also take 
action against you know accounts that might be sharing. So um, we can get in contact with the platforms that host those accounts and, and get them to take action. Um, but we can also take action against individuals as well. That could be um, a formal warning, an infringement notice where we give people a penalty. But what we're really focused on is changing people's behavior. So yeah. we really focus on the behavior change and people knowing what they're doing is wrong. You know, with a formal warning, um, that works quite well in, in people realizing that they shouldn't be on sharing um, intimate images of someone that have been given to them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whilst I talked about there being these options, so there's like these criminal criminal laws that exist. So they've just they have recently kind of come into effect in, in most states and territories. Um, a lot of people that uh, experience image based abuse, they they haven't you know been in you know, in the justice, criminal justice system before. A lot of people have never been to a police station and had mm. to give a statement and things like that. So it, it's a pretty, you know, overwhelming process for, for them. Sure. So we offer this, um, I suppose, option to people to come to us and they can submit a report online to us with their, we can talk to them by email or we can talk to them over the phone um, where they can tell us what's happened and then we can offer advice to them about what, what their options are. One being they can obviously go down that police route, but they can also get in, we can also help them as well and get some kind of action taken um, on their behalf. Mm. Uh, now, we've talked on the podcast about whether exposure to sexually explicit material can desensitise our community, mostly because of our close access to nudes on dating apps and hookup apps and that sort of thing. But do we actually know why LGBT people are so disproportionately affected by image-based abuse? Well... Tom, our research shows that one in five Australians who identify as LGBTI have experienced IBA compared to one in 10 Australians. So um, unfortunately, the research doesn't tell us why, because it was looking at the prevalence, not the motivations behind it. Um, But I suppose I can say anecdotally, you know, from what I've seen, this is not backed up from research, but I would say that like the community are kind of pioneers of online dating. I mean, people mm. have been using online dating apps for a long time. Um, sharing nudes seems to be part of the culture of meeting people. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I think it's really important to people understand there's nothing wrong with, you know, people sharing intimate images with people. There's something wrong when people on share it to other people without their consent. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, you know, we know that, you know, now that's how a lot of people meet people. They meet people online or a big part of the way people you know, form their relationships is they do share intimate images and that's fine, but it's making sure that when someone does send you an intimate image, that you respect the fact that that person has provided that to you and that you don't send it to your friend or you don't put it on a, on a message board or you mm-hmm. don't put it on a website where people collect these kinds of images. It's a really good message because I think often people do feel guilty that like, there's sort of a, a culture, a, an incorrect culture of blaming people for taking those photos in the first place. And, and, you're, and you're right, there, there is nothing wrong with that. There is nothing wrong with having good faith when you're, when you are consenting to send your own pictures. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think we see sometimes these groups, you know, from the community where people are sharing these images. They're like, you know, there's all these different images of people from the community. And I think, you know, there's lots of members on these groups and I think all people have been sent them. Um, I think it's really important that people call out that and say, hey, like there's a person in this image. This person gave you that image, not knowing that you're going to, you know, put this on this message board or post this online think about that and you know of course it's illegal to be doing that that's that's the number one thing but also think about that there are people behind these images and mm. and that person shared that with you for whatever reason but they didn't share it for you to you know share with other people so i really think it's important that you know if we see this kind of behavior happening in our community that people call it out and say hey 
there's a person behind that and, and yeah. that's wrong. Mm. That's it. And we didn't mention the name of the site that was trying to gather up our images earlier sort of last year, but um, what sort of action can be taken against individual websites or is that sort of harder to control? Um, so what happens is someone will make a report to us. So let's say what happened with you, you'd, you'd let us know what happened. So you'd report on our portal and we'd get all the information. You'd send us the URLs of where the content is and then we would look at the site. So, and we would see, you know, where the, the intimate images are, and then um, we would contact the site and request removal. So um, we can um, issue removal notices to sites, but as you can imagine, the majority of sites that we do, or well, the vast majority of sites that we do come in contact with, they are based overseas. Mm. But we're lucky we've had about a 90% success rate in having content removed. Mm. Um, I think it's really important that if anyone does find their images online, like what happened to you is that they let us know by reporting to us and, and let us do the work of approaching the site. So as you said, I think in your podcast was that, you know, the site was you know pretty dodgy and had some particular requirements that you had to meet to, to get things taken down. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's a really common thing on, on these sites. So, and we don't want people to approach these sites and share their personal information and things like that. Mm. So we want people, if they ever do find their images or any of these kinds of sites to let us know and, and we can help by, you know, reaching out to them and, and getting things removed. And if we're not successful, so sometimes, you know, we really try hard if we, you know, the site doesn't respond that we, you know, speak with the hosting providers and things like that. Um, we can also um, speak with Google about de-indexing um, the information so that it doesn't come up on any searches and things like that. So it's pretty difficult to find. You you would have to have the, yeah. um, the actual URL to be able to find mm -hmm. um, the images and things. That's interesting. And Russ, are you familiar with some of the motives of people who were sharing these non-consensual images online? Like, is it sort of only limited to hateful, like, ex-lovers out for sort of vengeance, do you think? Um, so we did some perpetrator research and it did show there was a couple of themes. So, um, so there is that kind of venge vengeance kind of retribution kind of aspect, but then there's also people wanting to boast about, um, you know, mm. and, you know, try and increase their social standing mm. by saying, oh, you know, this is who I've been with or, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, but then there's also people that, you know, want to laugh at people as well for sending them pictures. So they kind of see it as a kind of entertainment thing. So I think there's mm. different kinds of categories and, and we definitely see a broad range of those um so we do see you know someone has met someone on a dating site and the person didn't respond or the person didn't meet them on a date and then they go and threaten to share their intimate images or on share their intimate images mm -hmm. with people but then sometimes you know people create these groups where they share all these images to be like hey look you know i've been with this person or yeah that kind of thing so um there is pretty distinct kind of categories but unfortunately the the research has shown that you know most perpetrators are men mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. and that they're not aware of the laws and they and they don't show any remorse um for what they do so um that's kind of something also isn't really a positive mm -hmm. a positive mm -hmm. thing either I was quite shocked to hear, having gone to, because I went to a Catholic school in the early 90s, so I was very surprised to hear that there's been a bit of a push in schools as early as primary school uh, to engage with kids in respectful relationships education. Is image-based sexual abuse factored in there at any level in school? Um, well, it's really important, and as young people are increasing 
communicating online and meeting people, um, image-based abuse does need to be factored into what is a respectful relationship and sex education. So um, I suppose, Tom, it's a bit of a mixed bag with the way that schools deal with these things. Some are doing mm-hmm. really well and, and some aren't. But we're trying to increase um, teachers' awareness of what's happening. So we offer webinars um, to teachers all around Australia, and, and they're really mm-hmm. popular um, where they teach you know teachers about what to expect and what's happening mm. and, and, you know, how to I guess one of the hard things, quite often kids are more advanced with the technology than the teachers are be- because it's such new technology. So it probably would be harder, especially for some of the older teachers, just sort of be aware of the signs or, or are even aware of what can be done online. Yeah, yeah. And I think well, that, that's why a lot of them are doing these webinars because mm. they realise they don't they don't have those skills and they really want to learn about what's happening for young people. Um, we also have a guide for schools as well that we've brought out so that, you know, when this kind of happens, so when we have like peer-to-peer kind of sharing, which happens so that schools know how to deal with, um, you know, who to get in contact with. So that being, you know, getting contact with us and also the police um, when this kind of things happens between um, peers at their school. Um, but we also develop some resources as well for parents and, mm-hmm. and students and teachers so they know, um, you know, that we're here and that they can get in contact and, and what process, the best process is for dealing with these kinds of situations. Mm-hmm. Now, Ross, on a bit of an unrelated matter, I'm keen to hear your opinion. We've seen all sorts of false claims fueling conspiracy theories of late. It's a big question, but but what sorts of things can we do to protect ourselves from misinformation online? I know there's been lots of crazy information Mm, with this COVID uh, going on. Um, So I suppose the best advice that we give to people is people just stick to reliable news sources. Um, You know, if you see something on social media, you know, maybe check it on a, on a trusted news site, making sure that you look at different kinds of news sites so that you have a broad range of different kind of ideas and be a critic and I suppose just be a critical thinker. So, you know, if something seems strange or, you know, pretty out there, mm. most of the time it is. And, to, you know, you can check that by looking at different media sites and um, there'll be other stories and things like that on it. So I think that's our best advice. And I think also I know a lot of platforms now have a, like a self-reporting tool. So if you come mm-hmm. across any kind of news sites on social media or, or wherever it may be, um, you can also report um, that news and, and that, that it's not real or that there could be some issues with, mm-hmm. with its facts. And I think that like the platforms will look into it and, and decide whether it is or not. Mm. Ross, it's been really, really great speaking to you and really, really informative. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. So if people want to sort of find the commission, how do they find you? Yeah, so they can go to our website, esafety.gov.au. Um, if they want to report image-based abuse, they can um, use the report function, which is on our main page. Well, our site is also a bit of a one-stop shop to, to keep Australians safe online. So um, I don't know if you have any parents listening, but it's also you know good for parents. There's lots of resources for parents and, and talking with kids about things like like starting the chat about sexting, for example. But also, I don't know if any of you have had, you know, grandparents or older people in your lives that have been trying to get connected during COVID. I've had my partner's dad, he, he's not very good with the video calling. Well, he wasn't before COVID, but now he is. He's getting better, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, but I managed to use the... Uh, the Be Connected program, which we have on our site as well, which has some really good tutorials. They're really easy to oh, follow great. for old people, older people, um, yeah, so fantastic. that they can get connected with video calling and stuff. Because um, you know, they, people can be really isolated um, during these these crazy uh, COVID times. So, yeah. So, esafety.gov.au. Thanks so much, Ross. Thanks. No problems. Thanks so much for having me. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I don't know about you, homos, but I love <laughs> me some Disney films. <laughs> <laughs> Never heard of them. Can I just ask, Mikey, when yeah. you when you say Disney, like what what's because everyone has I've learned everyone has a different mentality of the era of Disney that they associate yeah. with Disney. What's your, like when you think Disney, what is Disney? Films? For me, Disney films are like the nineties films. So like Lion King, Lion King, Mulan, yeah, Aladdin, Sleeping Beauty, Aladdin. Yeah, yeah. Oh, like, it's like black and white Mickey Mouse. <laughs> the fuck? Steamboat oh. Willie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. But then for a lot of people, it's like for people that are a bit younger than us, it's Pixar. But then for mm. kids growing up now, it's gonna be like Star Wars and uh Yeah, and, Star Wars uh, and Marvel, Marvel and, and stuff. like all those yeah. other things. I feel See? like those animated ones we grew up with are kind of timeless, and I feel like they're kind of force fed to like young kids now as well totally because like all yeah. the parents oh, like grew definitely. up with them so <laughs> but no, on, I think still gonna obviously be like, we all grew up with Disney and everybody pretty much throughout the world knows Disney but like as a kid like you mm. just sort of watch these films and you're just like oh yeah these are great I really really love them eat them up and then like as time has gone on more and more sort of Disney stuff is becoming more LGBT inclusive but at the, what price yeah, what, what price? price are we all paying? Like, honestly, like they have, unfortunately, it's like a sprinkling of queer characters throughout like the Marvel world. It's so world, pathetic the way Star they do Wars. it. Yeah. yeah. It's always kind of just like squinting your eyes and looking in the background or like listening out for like one word used by people, which is kind of annoying to me. Like the, the thing that gets to me is always like the headlines that annoy me. Mm-hmm. They're like so clickbaity. Mm-hmm. They're like first ever gay character and blah, blah, blah. Like I think there was like a scene in the newest Star Wars and there was like so many articles about it being like first gay like couple in star wars blah 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 and then like in the last like five minutes of the last like movie ever there's like a lesbian kiss in the background like if you squint your eyes i was like wow that was Mm. so worth waiting for (laughs) and like even in toy story they have like the lesbian mums in the background i think it's Toy story three at like the kindergarten and all the like parents were like what are you doing you can't have gay women in films for children you're gonna say the lesbian mums toys came to life and i was like no oh Could you imagine? My God. (laughs) I don't think anyone expects Disney to include Mickey getting raw dogged (laughs) or or Bukaki. You know, like, that's not the expectation that the the LGBT community have. I think the expectation they have is to have realistic three dimensional portrayals of queer characters Mm -hmm. in their media. But is that really, like, I'm just going to be a bit of a stinky brat. Is that really realistic considering the world that we live in? And is the fact that they're even taking the risk to Mm. include these background lesbian characters that will mean their film will get banned 
in a number of yeah. countries or edited and, in other countries yeah yeah is is that enough because in my opinion i always think gay people and historically this has been true and it's true i think of all of us is we will seek out and we will find gay media oh yeah you know yeah that's true um and also i feel like we find a lot of gay themes within their movies even if they're not necessarily trying to put them in so we kind of (laughs) like search for them and force them in and find them sometimes but i mean even like the online kind of trend of like elsa from frozen being a lesbian like gay like there's the whole movement of the hashtag give elsa girlfriend thing which is funny i think Mm. it is really nice to see fan bases of these films kind of seeing themselves in things that weren't necessarily like meant to be there and kind of making the most of it i guess yeah i'm gonna give the gays everything Everything. they want want. um have you guys seen the newest clickbaity headline of like the first pixar gay lead ever on disney plus they have a 10 minute short film um called out I watched it last night. I watched it like just before recording this, and look, it is very cute. I definitely shed a tear. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, I was just so like oh my god, and like the, the animation. Okay. But yeah, it would be nice to have something longer. Aww. as well. Yeah, yeah. I feel Disney—they're like just so afraid to like scare off their audience, so they they just mm. feed us these little breadcrumbs by just giving us little mm. bits, like, and then saying they're going to commit to something. Like they had that whole TV series based on the book Love Simon called Love Victor, and that like mm. that was everywhere being advertised that they were going to have it on Disney plus and it's like yes some queer representation yeah and then they they before that it came onto disney plus they moved it over to hulu so now it's not going to be on disney plus at all no and it's so stupid because they go on about the adult themes of queer stories and things like that and how it's like a family friendly place but then they'll show things like the mandalorian a star wars story and the first episode they show the first episode the opening scene is a bar fight and someone gets like decapitated through a sliding door so yeah i don't know what family themes they're like chopping and choosing Mm. but Mm. it doesn't check out for me i think it's because in the mainstream uh, well in a heteronormative perspective a lot of fundamental like conservative people find it very difficult to separate being gay or identifying as homosexual Mm. uh, separating that from the act of raw dogging and and barebacking when they think of being gay they think of sex and, yeah. and so therefore their brains immediately are keep this away from my mm. children yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's why their re- reactions are also visceral as well because yeah. they can't disconnect the fact that you can just be gay in it uh, mm. and have gay themes or gay characters and it doesn't necessarily lead to you know for they also life. seem to and think it's it's catching the, yeah yeah but like, like as soon as you watch what? some gay content that's it you're gay, oh, you're gay. You're <laughs> yeah. but um yeah. i was like wondering to myself today like is there something in that like maybe the gay world is seen as so adult because the only experience anyone has of the gay world is adult stuff so like kids aren't seeing yeah. happy stories or anything and then like queer kids are like looking up gay porn and things like that like mm. because it's all there is only adult stuff so then that's the only thing that's, that's what i'm really seen. liking about like cartoon network with like steven universe like they have yeah. characters on a cartoon show that shows kids that like yes like there are characters of your age group that are also gay or lesbian or trans or bi or gender non-conforming like that's the problem like yeah. cartoon network and nickelodeon are doing a really good job including like gay and queer characters which is really good it just would be nice to see disney actually embrace it a lot more i think because they mm. are a bigger platform as well they are such a huge conglomerate it is based it's solely such a on nice word. money 
it is a really nice word. Like it's all about money. It's it's a hard thing to say Disney are homophobic because if you look at what Disney yeah. is and who works for them, like we're looking yeah. at the and we're looking at the history of Disney. I mean, I'm sh- I am certain that if you look at things, you know, the Mary Poppins and the Lion King and that sort of thing, I'm quite certain that there were definitely songwriters and uh, scriptwriters and colorists mm-hmm. and oh, there's a lot of gay involvement sort of thing that were definitely <laughs> queer. Like it, Disney films are art they are visual art and they and queer people are often attracted to art so i'm sure that there are there were a lot of queer people warning who would have loved to be able to put those yeah. stories and things in there but it's it, it is a beast of itself and it has evolved mm. so much it has been around for an incredibly long time as well i think disney started in was it the late 40s or early 50s yes and no one's just, no one's saying that they should have put queer characters into mary poppins because we get that at the time yeah, that was just not a thing that was ever going to happen no one i don't, i think it's also fair to say that it would be too much to expect Disney in the 90s when it was really a kid's mm. family cartoon kind of vibe to have been putting in there when no one else was doing it. I, I get that as well. But it is now evolving again. It is going through a bit another identity change, mm. I guess. Yes. And it is taking on things you write like Star Wars and like The Mandalorian and having a much wider platform too. It used to be that you would see Disney at the movies or when you rented a VHS. That's it's true. now everywhere. It's in your life constantly. So they do, I think, now have a responsibility to be showing a much more diverse range of things. I mean, I, I think they have the potential to, too. I think it did have a, a race issue oh, yeah. decades ago, and I think that is something that they have learned to, to have a much better representation in, in their um, shows and their, their movies. Yeah. And I hope they're going to continue to evolve and catch up. Well, I think with... So Disney now have a new CEO. There was a shareholders meeting in March where like mm. an anti-LGBT activist sort of stood up and was just like, why are our stocks falling? Like, we're all losing money. It's because you hold all these gay pride events and you represent LGBT people. It's not family friendly. The CEO turned around and was just like, it's happening because mm. there's a pandemic. It's yeah, not because of Corona. We have to close businesses because of a disease, not because yeah. of queer people whatsoever. And the CEO turned around and said, Disney as a company want to reflect the diversity of their fan base through their work. So like, I think with this new CEO, I think we will be seeing more and more gay characters throughout their films even if they aren't the lead they're moving in the right direction which is great mm. in in some ways you know i fucking despise love simon and i hate that kind of like disneyfied version of real world <laughs> you know bliss <laughs> so in some ways i actually kind of prefer the fact that gay characters are sort of just existing in these worlds and in these universes mm. and they're not like pushed front and center and been like everyone let's have a moment and sit down and talk about why these two characters are gay to me uh growing up visibility is also about normalization Mm. and in some ways just having these characters in the background or whatever is a very subversive way of normalizing the lgbt uh character and experiences in these stories by saying that Mm. it's not a plot point it's not important that Mm. they're lesbians they just are lesbians and they're in walking through the scene and then they're gone i think that's fair enough but i i think it bugs me when they make such they hype it up so much and then it's just that yeah like when they like half expecting beauty and the beast the remake to be to be set on fire island or something because they they all these (laughs) media releases and and news articles about how it was going to have big gay characters and then it was like a side glance and again as you said mikey a limp wrist like, Just I want like, him to oh, jump hey. off a table and land in the split. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I 
just want to get my dick sucked at Disneyland. That's the, <laughs> I reckon a mascot. That. Do you do you, do? You, sorry, I know this is a little. You off won't even get let Have in. Have you noticed that's the subculture of Disney gays as well? Oh, they're sort yeah. of like they the like horse. the Glee people. <laughs> they're like the horse girls of the gay community. Like, yeah. You know, <laughs> I I've no, never I been feel, a Disney. I feel like Disney there's liking gay. Disney, and then there's like a weird obsession with Disney, and it's really odd to me and i don't get it but yeah i've seen some like weird disney weddings at work before it's a thing right everything themed mm. like mickey mouse yeah it's weird (laughs) i just realized disney isn't homophobic because they gave us the mickey mouse t-shirt that i wore in my gimp look for our ipod show (laughs) yeah disney's in our cover picture Oh my god, they well, are too. We're sponsored Sponsor by Disney. <laughs> There's nothing gayer than sponsoring a podcast. I t- I spoke to my dad last night and he was like, uh, I get that you had to be gay, but do you have to do a podcast as well? Like, do you have to do <laughs> both of those things? <laughs> Uh, so that's it, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us again and for yes, subscribing to our Patreon. Mm. Um, our after show this week is actually going to be our live FaceTime recording thing that we're doing on Sunday. Zoom, Zoom. So, yes, well, it's not actually so, Zoom. It's, 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 I don't think it is Zoom, but yeah, same thing. It's same. not Zoom. It's, uh, it's, it's, it'll be through the Patreon uh, platform. Yes. So you will, if, or anyone that's subscribed as of Sunday evening, uh, we'll get an email with a little Please subscribe and do it because to. it's going to be our last one for a long time. So get in yeah. there. Yeah. Think yeah. of questions. You can ask us questions. It's a real yeah. chill chat. Just like a catch yeah. up. Come with have us a drink. And and- yeah. Mikey, hey. I hope your night is as glorious as your eyes. <laughs> They're amazing. Oh, I said as that to you like as ever. six times last week. Yes, you did. Um, well, it's so good to see you boys. I can't yes. wait to see you on Sunday. Yeah. So and then in real life next week. Yes. <laughs> Very we'll exciting to leave my house. <laughs> Until okay. then. Bye. 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 Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.